Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. Today's episode features Jason Jackson, a co-founder of Cumberland-based Hakai Energy Solutions. The company is a dynamic renewable energy design-build organization operating throughout British Columbia. They've been an innovator in the renewable space since the day the company was founded. And Jason talks with us about his background, the future of renewables, management advice, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation we had with him. My name is Jason Jackson. I'm the CEO and the co-founder of Hakai Energy Solutions. And uh, so my role here is um, business development. I'm also an electrician. And so uh, I'm an energy system designer. And, uh, you know, as they say, in a small business, chief bottle washer, et cetera. Awesome. How many staff do you guys have? About 20. Okay. Fantastic. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when I was going through your company, you guys seem to be a little bit ahead of the curve on the, the renewable side. It seems like, um, and I'm not, not even to be sarcastic or facetious about it, but a lot of electricians are starting to add either solar divisions or solar, um, or, you know, re a renewable energy segment. Can you just talk, walk me through kind of the foundation of the company and kind of how you guys, I mean, how you became an entrepreneur and then just kind of how the company's grown? Yeah, no, yeah, it's a good question. Um, it, you know, keep it contained within a kind of a nutshell. Um, I'm an electrician. Um, I come from a family of electricians. My dad, uh, uncle, uh, brother, nephew, grandfather worked for Hydro for 40 years. Great grandfather was a power engineer. And um, I uh, didn't want to be an electrician, but you know, that's how it goes when you're in a family. Um, filled with electricians, sometimes the, the gravity is too strong to escape. And uh, so ended up in trade straight out of high school. Um, never got to, to university as I'd you know, worked so hard and intended to do and uh, uh, really disliked it um, you know, for a number of reasons. But uh, luckily for me, I, um, I met somebody who had kind of a similar background to me, but had been working in the trade for his entire life. So he's approaching the end of his career. And uh, uh, he became a kind of a mentor to me. And he was a, he was a, um, a real consummate professional is, is uh, what I'll say. And, and uh, took me under his wing and I started working in the off-grid environment. So he had worked for, uh, or the company that he'd worked for and, and his dad had uh, managed, um, did all the camp work for Mac Blow back in the day. And uh, so we understood the off-grid environment and uh, um, excelled at it. And I worked with him for a number of years and uh, really enjoyed it. Um, one day he retired at 65, caught me completely off guard. And uh, I was in the middle of a project where um, we're converting a, a, what was a kind of a luxury accommodations to a, um, a research institute and uh, the owner asked us to build something that was really remarkable. Um, didn't set out a lot of guidelines, but um, said, you know, let's build something that's really grand here and is absolutely state of the art. And if it takes one or two or three tries to get it right, then that's what it is. And his background was in tech and uh, that's just how it goes in that line of business. So. Um, we started building and by the end of uh, 2010, um, we had gone from 
you know, the concept to execution and delivered a really innovative energy system that um, was just right place at the right time. You know, this, the state of technology had just arrived at this moment where we had this piece of equipment that was kind of revolutionary in its day. And uh, we were the first person to install one in Canada and one of three um, in the Western hemisphere to install this, this brand new piece of equipment. And that really launched the company. You know, it turned it from an electrical contracting company to a renewable uh, company and um, off we went. What was that equipment for the piece of equipment? Well, what this is is a yeah, it's a it's a it's um it's a piece of it's a piece of equipment that essentially allows you to stack capacity in uh, conversion devices. So what I mean by that is um, we use a technology uh, piece of room called an inverter that uh, takes solar energy and converts it to usable electricity AC, right? And so. Uh, that piece of equipment may have been sized to supply say a cabin in that day. Well, the piece of equipment came out that said, I'll take three, six, nine, 12 of these and I'll control them and I'll connect them with storage and, and renewable energy capacity like solar or, or wind or what have you. And um, we can uh, supply enough energy for, for a large commercial site. And so, um, at that time, it was, as I say, it was new and, and it became the norm really across the world to, to, to an extent. Uh, and now things have changed and we're you know, moving into really next level stuff. But um, back then it was just absolutely groundbreaking and uh, a really exciting business to be in at the time. And, um, you know, I was working for, for, uh, for an electrical contractor that was, um, you know, we we're doing traditional things, diesel gensets and building and designing distribution systems. And, and uh, so we went to look for some expertise and we, we really couldn't find it in the places that we thought that we should look. You know, electrical contractors really weren't doing electrical energy. Um, there were some entre entrepreneurial, you know, groups that um, didn't really have the background or training. And that really surprised me. Um, because we were doing all kinds of things that I thought, you know, designing things that were um, exciting and new. And when I discovered that there weren't a lot of electricians in the renewable trade, I was really shocked by that because I just thought, you know, these are electrical products. This is our this is our trade. Why does everybody um, back off when they say uh, renewable energy? And now it's changed, but that you know, it wasn't that long ago that it was just really almost unheard of for electrical contractors to touch this as, as you know, you made in your point. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, no, I, I appreciate you sharing that. It's definitely the uninformed uh, when it comes to the, the nitty gritty stuff there. As your business has grown, um, is there a couple of key moments that kind of stick out? I mean, obviously you started, you said you got a business partner and you now have 20 employees, but you certainly had to start somewhere. Is there maybe over the past, I think you're looking on LinkedIn 12 years. Does that sound right? 12 yeah. years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A couple of moments that stick out to you as, as the business has been built. Well, the first one was the one that I described. We got shot out of a cannon. You know, we didn't have like the, the decade of grinding it out with, um, uh, you know, just down in the trenches, um, cabin systems and just really early, early stage stuff. We just got launched into some really, um, you know, kind of an exclusive arena, which, um, 
was the most pivotal moment. Um, along the road, uh, another moment for us was um, BC Hydro has what they call a net metering program, which allows uh, um, consumers or ratepayers essentially, you know, to generate their own electricity in their home or business, right? And so, the requirements to join that program were really stringent. They were, they, um, yeah, they were kind of designed to. It felt like, at least on our side, to dissuade people from entering. Uh, um, this program, so you know, they would define the most inane things. You know, the blueprint, your line thicknesses had to be such, or it would be rejected. Well, one day somebody came in and the entire thing blew up, and they threw out essentially all the rules. The net metering application goes essentially on a single page, um, and uh, there's no fees. Um, not only at the uh, entrance to the program or the application, but throughout your um, uh, you know, th throughout your um, time, you know, in ownership of the system, there's, there's no fees. And so that was a pivotal moment. It was also around the same time that there were some really substantial rate creases. Um, so you might remember, I think it was uh, like, what was it, 12, 20, 2012, 13, 14, I think there were some rates that were like 10, 10, it was a three rate, three year rate plan. It was like 10%, 10%, 12 back to back and uh, the utilities commission halved all of that but it was still a really big deal at the time and the phone just started to ring and now um uh you know residential solar has just become the norm it, it's there's just been an explosion in growth um of course of course we see it across the border and around the world um but in bc too the growth has been really tremendous so that was another really big moment yeah no, it's cool. And some, some of the projects, even in some of the stuff we've done for you in the past, because BC has the, like the Haida Gwaii Islands and there's the, the Haida Gwaii, sorry, and yeah. the, the Queen Charlotte's, there's a lot of more off-grid things where mm -hmm. you guys can provide some really cool solutions. And I, I would guess there's a higher concentration here than other parts of the world. I could be wrong on that, but. Yeah, I think consumers are pretty educated here, um, like to do their homework and they're um, driven by sustainability, I think more on the island than in other places I've lived personally. You know, there's more EVs here. And um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a good place to do business. Um, you know, south of the border, talking about pivotal moments. Uh, of course, Tesla um, has really driven a, a huge amount of awareness about um, electrification in general, including, you know, renewable energy storage and, uh, and EVs. So, um, that's that's affecting all renewable businesses, not just their own, but um, everybody around them, which is great. Yeah. yeah, well, that's fantastic. One of the things um, I wanted to ask you about is with COVID, there, I mean, there's a perception, you just never know what to, to believe with headlines, right? But there is a perception that there's a migration from, you know, from bigger urban centers. Is that something that you guys have felt an impact at all? Like people just trying to get off the grid or people who, are living within you know a municipality and have a new vacation home yeah. like have you seen kind of an uptick in that on that front oh definitely yeah it's a real thing i live in a small town i mean i see it in my um, personal and my professional life here in cumberland there's oh, i think our population is about 3500 people um and uh the housing market is completely strained everything is selling it at just record prices and so there's a lot of people coming from urban centers definitely um, within the business we see a lot of people that are 
deciding to to move to uh, more rural areas. So um, you know, many people may have a cabin or or um, you know choose to build one and just spend more time there. And so um, yeah, we're seeing a lot of people. Uh, investing in their energy systems, replacing them or installing new ones in, um, you know, lakefront properties or or uh, or, or oceanside uh, remote uh, areas, and then people that are connected to the grid, even in uh, you know in their urban areas, there um, people are thinking a little bit more about you know having control over certain elements of their lives, you know. I mean, COVID's one thing, there are a number of things, you know, climate change and just the whole news cycle, right? Look at what's happening in Texas right now. Um, you know, if I had a solar energy system and a Tesla power wall or two, um, you know, I may not have water, but having, you know, power um, is a big deal. And so this, uh, uh, you know, there's a term for this distributed generation, having power sources all throughout the grid. and being able to um, you know, work autonomously from it. Um, you know, it's something that I think is on people's minds a, a little bit more. And so that's definitely driving business. I know um, like we're a Tesla certified installer and, and their, their sales are, that product is just really hard to get a hold of. Their, their um, sales are way up um, and uh, there was disruptions in manufacturing as well. So there's a, definitely a scarcity of products that are related to energy security right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. I didn't know about that. I saw it. I mean, I see the Tesla in the background of your, uh, yeah. of your screen there, but that's very mm -hmm. cool. Is that recent, the certification? Or have you had that for a while? Yeah, um, yeah I think we, we were one of, uh, what was it, two years ago? Or, yeah, one of the first on the island here. Awesome. And where are you guys, uh, the service area? I mean, I, the office is in Cumberland. I know you do some remote work. Are you doing stuff in Victoria as well? Or are you sticking to kind of the, the central North Island? Yeah, we've been working all over BC. Um, like traditionally we worked on the kind of coastal margin as, the, as some call it, um, you know, Clem to uh, Bella Bella, um, you know, Night Inlet, all the inlets, the west, far west coast of Vancouver Island. Um, anywhere where somebody's burning diesel to run their community or their business or their home, right? And so that's where we really started. And uh, over time, as the, the, the um, net metering program developed and, and awareness of uh, solar technology and acceptance of it, understanding of the, uh, the economic uh, underpinnings and um, of course, uh, uh, lower lower prices in solar. It's just been a you know consistent drop um, from the very beginning, and so it, it's just got become more and more affordable. And so with that, uh, we decided to grow into the rest of our our province where there uh, where growth is is available. So last year we worked in uh, Williams Lake, Calcedar, Kelowna. Um, Central Saanich, uh, active in uh, Vancouver, Richmond, um, mostly for commercial scale projects. So uh, one of the things we special in, specialize in is uh, fire halls. So um, we did the uh, Central Saanich Fire Hall, which is almost net zero. Um, Richmond Fire Hall, again, almost net zero. So these are big pieces of community infrastructure that um, you know have large loads and they're, they you know, not only house 
um, the uh, fire, uh, the firefighters and all that equipment, but often they use them as uh, shelters for you know, critical infrastructure, like, you know, an IT um, center might start in a fire hall, not, not in like city hall, um, in other words, right? And so, um, yeah, to be able to generate all of your power or, or almost all of it in such a large, you know, critical piece of infrastructure is, uh, that's a really exciting time for us that, you know, that we've, um, you know, arrived as a, you know, as a, as a technology and, and, uh, and that our business has been able to kind of develop in that area. So, yeah, and just uh, four fire homes, I think, on, on uh, the North Island, small community scale ones with Tesla power walls for, uh, you know, backing up again, their, their uh, you know, the radios, anything else that, um, is, you know, is, just has to be there if the power goes out. Um, Vancouver Fire Hall is a job that we're finishing this year that will be uh, entirely, um, uh, all, all of their energy will be uh, uh, created within the building. So that's a full net zero build um, that'll come online in, in uh, April or May of this year. So uh, yeah, that took us all over the province and, and uh, really excited about that. Fantastic. And so when you're doing these installs or the, these projects are these is it kind of like solar on the roof or is there like what other kind of is, yeah. is that the primary thing or is it what other kinds of things would you be doing from the install side yeah we, we specialize in solar electric systems so traditionally there would have been a, like a solar thermal um, offering that uh, that companies say you know a decade ago would have offered but um that market really got overtaken by solar electric systems or photovoltaics. And so that's what, that's what we specialize in and uh, storage. So um, you know, battery systems connected to uh, the uh, photovoltaics um, and in off-grid worlds, we're combining that with a, an existing diesel generator set or set to supply power as a, you know, as a in an integrated fashion, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, this question is a little bit more uh, general about kind of renewables in gen or yeah mm -hmm. across the world. So you know, this week uh, there's a, a story that went out. There's a map in Europe. There's a massive wind farm that's being built in the middle of the ocean. Um, you know, the EV vehicle trends, and then you kind of alluded to kind of the crazy advances in tech that you're seeing now. You got where do you what do you think? let's say, you know, not 25 years in the future, but, you know, within the next couple of years, where do you see kind of the renewable sector going just as the cost, uh, you know, install costs and stuff are starting to, to become more manageable for most? Well, um, I mean, like, I think one of the most important roles that renewable can play is in the kind of quote unquote democratization of energy. You know, there's a lot of places in the world that don't have it or, uh, they have a scarcity of it. They may have power for just a few hours of the day or they have it, but it's so expensive that they really can't afford it. You know, it's subsidized, um, you know, in a number of ways. Uh, so just looking at Canada, there are, are uh, many, many remote First Nations communities alone that are, you know, burdened by these just astronomical energy costs. Um, not only cost of energy, but there's also a lot of pollution that accompanies, you know, diesel storage and distribution over, you know, decades of use, uh, air pollution, noise pollution. And so I see renewable energy is unlocking 
um, a whole bunch of potential in these communities, lower energy costs, better reliability, training for local people, development of expertise in um, the, you know, the design, installation, uh, operation, maintenance, and so on of um, their own energy systems. Yeah, it's cool. I've, I've never heard that uh, put that way before, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's, it, it's probably, you get, I think you get social license if the, if the renewable energy uh, lobby got together and started using that, I think, because a lot of times I think you feel, at least in Western Canada, there's with Alberta and all that, it's kind of like, there's a fight it seems like, and people just make assumptions that you have to pick sides because it's kind yeah. of, you know, but it's, I think that anyways, I just think that's a really cool way to, to market it. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's, it's one of the kind of unfortunate side effects of uh, not to get into politics, but you know, there are these, these, it's, it's kind of a, become part of this kind of culture war, like it has to be oil or renewable and that these things need to be, you know, exclusive. And um, that's just not the case. Um, Right. I mean, if you look at the amount of renewable energy produced, and I'm not talking about hydroelectric systems, I'm talking about, you know, wind and solar, um, the capacity on the grid in BC and Alberta is very small. Um, and so, you know, I don't need, I don't think that we need to look at the renewable energy sector as, as uh, you know, as a target. Um, I just, I see a lot of it online and, uh, you know, if I, a lot of friends and colleagues from the oil sector and and there's, there's there seems to be this kind of unnecessary clash <clears throat> at the same time there's there's a lot of people who want to work in the sector you know these are good paying jobs um while the oil patch is suffering a bit of a downturn let's use that opportunity to train and um, develop local expertise in renewable energy in bc and alberta canada wide you know why not what what, what is it to lose yeah no, I, I love I love that perspective. Um, that's a few questions here. Personal development. Um, are you an avid reader? Kind of how? Do, I mean, I'd assume there's some some industry training that you have to keep on top of. But outside of that, what do you kind of do to stay sharp? Yeah, well, really, my my primary job is to keep on top of new products and techniques. Um, so yeah, that happens within my business and and uh, and also within my personal life. I, I um, am obsessed with power generation of all sorts. Um, doesn't matter what the fuel source is, but uh, resources um, renewable happens to be my my favorite, and that's where most of my attention goes. But um, you know, energy policy and and uh, and, and the technology development side of things is just something where that really consumes um, most of my most of my thought when I'm not thinking about how the business is going to you know grow and remain stable um, through the years or how it would be scaled um, yeah I'm thinking about the technology so awesome well that's great uh, best piece of personal advice that you've received that's helped you throughout your career could be personal life too, I guess. Yeah, well, that's yeah, it's a tough question. I um, I'd say probably one of the better pieces that I've uh, that I've received, and, and one that I, I still try and follow and be really mindful of, is 
is the um, the idea that perspective is everything. You know, um, when you talk to entrepreneurs and, and business owners, um, you know, there's a real common theme about uh, turning a, a problem into a solution. And um, that comes from being able to, you know, take a challenge and, and uh, look at it from a number of different facets. You know, up front, it seems like the worst thing that ever happened in your business. And, and uh, maybe you convert it into one of the best things that, that ever happened to you. And, and so just, you know, staying as creative, creatively minded as possible and, and you know, reminding myself that, um, <clears throat> that uh, opportunity exists in, in, uh, in every scenario is something that um, has really helped me along the way. It uh, changed my view on, I can change my view on anything with that, with that concept and that has allowed me to be flexible. Yeah, well, I think that's right. Mm -hmm. It's it's great, it's also rare uh, to see that mm -hmm. just in the world mm -hmm. we live in now. Last one for you, uh, favorite restaurant on Vancouver Island? That's an easy one for me. Um, Il Facone, it's in the Comox yeah. Valley. Fabulous restaurant, um, run by wonderful people. Uh, yeah, just, I, I don't know where they came from or who they are, but they're magicians. They understand the restaurant business like nobody that I've ever met. It's, it's, it's shockingly good. Um, I mean, I've honestly heard people brought to tears and uh, um, I've spent enough time there myself to appreciate it more than any restaurant almost that I've ever been to. It's this is very very good. Oh, mm -hmm. that is a high bar. <laughs> but I will take your I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's all I've got for you on the questions front. Anything that you wanted to cover that I did not ask you? No, no. I think that's great. I appreciate you you uh, reaching out and happy to talk to you today. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for stopping by from the trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.